Welcome to the Violet Ghost Train, where Halloween never ends, where Christmas Eve is always haunted, and where every summer's day ends in a thunderstorm. I'm your host, Crow Violet. Join us. Mimetic targets. Welcome, my utter darlings. I'm missing you all terribly tonight, even the ones I've never met. That was a strange thing to say. I am in a strange mood. It is a very special ghost train tonight. I am locked in the house with the plague, and only a quite a lot of rum to sustain me. Um. Yeah. So. I got to thinking about lots of things. Guess what? You get to hear about them all tonight, you lucky, lucky test subjects, you. So, I'm going to start with a ghost story, then go on to a ghost story. I don't know, probably finish on a ghost story, knowing me, of some form or another. There were precious few ghosts last time, weren't there? So, here is a bunch more to make up for it. So, tonight... December the 16th, the first day of my incarceration. I am going to start with a wintry story. It's wintry for me for reasons that will become clear very soon. But I'm going to start with a seasonally appropriate story. One about the cold spaces and the dark and things moving in the sky that shouldn't be seen. This is a little, very truncated version of the story of the Wild Hunt. This is a story that recurs throughout UK folklore. The, the concept of the hunt that rides across the night sky, led by a legendary figure. And there's lots of different versions of this. There's the devil in some versions. Old Scratch himself. Hearn the Hunter. Sir Francis Drake even in some versions of the story that I've heard. And you, you may know this, this, the general um, content of the story... The wild hunt. At night, they ride. The ghostly or demonic wild hunters screaming out in the dark that pursue souls across the storms. The barking and yapping of the demon dogs from the wind. Ice dark night. And the burning red eyes of something. This is a story that many cultures or many different regional areas of this country have shared and there are versions in lots of countries in fact but obviously my particular area of expertise is UK folklore and it's a story well pretty much what I say the legend that some nights on very particular nights very particular times you can hear the hunters riding across the night sky as they hunt someone down Oh, and if you get seen by the hunt, it is all up with you. They'll chase you down to the very ends of the world. Where do they come from? Well, yeah, something deep inside us, I think. This idea, this story, 
has haunted us for a long time, at least 500 years, probably much, much longer. So, for example, there's the story of, of Wild Edric, Anglo-Saxon ruler who opposed the Norman conquest for a while, and now he rides the night sky, waiting for the day when he and his ghostly forces must defend the country. Thank you to the Hellbore Guide to Occult Britain for that one. And let me just point out, I have no idea it's just occurred if I'm pronouncing Hellbore correctly. You should all read the Hellbore Guide to Occult Britain. It is marvellous. It is getting me through these days, let me tell you. And then, some of you might be familiar with the legend of Hearn the Hunter. And the version that I heard, Hearn was um, it's like a, a gamekeeper maybe or something like that. And he was critically wounded, either by stag in some versions or by enemies in others, in Windsor Great Park, way back in the Dark Ages, I think. And as as I recall the story, and I heard this when I was a kid, as I say, he was healed by magic, and he was transformed into a kind of antlered demigod. Which is also the version of Hearn the Hunter that you might have seen in the Robin of Sherwood TV show from the 80s. Oh, if you've not seen Robin of Sherwood, get that watched as a matter of some urgency. It is awesome. The basic idea that always stays the same on a winter's night. If you're up too late, if you're too far from home, you might just hear the howling of the dogs in the night sky, the rush of the hunters passing by. The old, ancient story, the hunting, the hounds... The loneliness, the solitary traveller who glimpses the passing huntsman in the night sky. There's, there's a favourite one. I recall from some, some book I got one Christmas when I was tiny, which tells the story of how uh, a group of travellers at an inn thought they heard the wild hunt riding past. And one particularly drunken and foolhardy man shouted out, Hunter, if you're there, share your bounty with us. It's a terrible crash and a roar of demonic laughter. And a human head fell down the chimney into the fireplace as the wild hunt passed on by. So why do I associate this story with the cold nights? Well, sometimes that's what the legend of the wild hunt say. There are other versions where they ride at midsummer, though. It's It's varied. I have a personal reason for sharing the story of the Wild Hunt and for associating it with uh, Winter's Nights. And guess what? You're all going to be party to a little secret now. I don't believe that I've ever really shared this story with anyone ever. But here it is. A little story from my past. When I was 18 years old, so you know, 30 years back, I was in a strange bed. I was up way too late. It was in a, a dark old house in the woods. Really old place. A stately home converted into accommodation. And, um, yeah, it was a dark, dark night. To use a cliche. Dark and stormy night. I think it was that stormy. But it was cold. A wintry night in the dark old house in the woods. And 18-year-old... Crow was filled with fear and anticipation and confusion. 
Oh, if I was being poetic about it, and frankly, I'm inclined poetic to be poetic about it. Oh, I was full of the weight of all the futures that could or would happen. Thinking on the futures, the, the things that I wondered might happen to me, that might become of me. Oh, all the lives that I've lived. All the people that I could become and would become. And maybe I'm looking back and adding this extra bit of poetry there anyway, but I seem I remember it. I remember the feelings I had, the strange sense that the future was hovering over me. I swear, the pressure of many, many years ahead of me. Strange, 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 strange. I remember it that night really well. That feeling, partly anticipation, partly as if memories of things that hadn't happened yet. I don't know. Because the bit I'm stalling around is I was sitting there in that old house on that dark night and here it is. I heard the wild hunt. I promise you. I heard the barking of dogs from out of the black sky. And the sense of something rushing by overhead. That happened. I promise you. That experience was there. I was there and I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten how strange it felt. Strange like... I've Many weird things have happened to me, but that was that had a very different feel to it. Oh, it's, it's a very primal, ancient feel that I experienced that night. I don't know what happened. I don't know what it actually was, and I, I don't know why I heard it. Could be anything. Who knows? I like to think that night that something changed for me stuck in my memory a little bright glowing shard in the mistiness of vague half remembered 30 year old stories of the me that I was at the time and maybe something did change that night if I've always felt sort of a bit hunted and pursued in life which is kind of standard you know trans neurodiverse you're going to feel hunted and pursued in life that's just how it happens but if I've always ever felt hunted and pursued, maybe it's driven me on to more amazing adventures than ever. And I think of that experience, no matter what the actual, what the physical causes of it were, what the origins of that event were, I like to think of them as a real turning point in my life. I think in some ways they probably were a long time ago. And there you go, I've never shared that with anyone. Aren't you lot privileged? Aren't you lot so, so very privileged? I'm repeating myself because, oh, okay, we're all emotional when I remembered that. Just came back to me today. I haven't thought about it for ages. And I thought, I know a bunch of people who would like to hear that story, probably. Anyway, a little change of pace now. You look ahead a week or two, and oh my goodness, when one is in isolation, there's precious little else that I want to do than look ahead. Probably shouldn't do, you know. Ah, uh, I will escape from this unboxing day of all things. <laughs> oh dear. But anyway, I want to look ahead a bit further than that to hopefully when 
things are in my life are a little bit more, I was about to say a little bit more normal. When is anything in my life normal? If you actually know me in reality, you'll know that very little is normal around here. And hopefully never will be. But anyway, a little bit of normality. Looking forward to New Year's Eve. And I'm going to talk about a story from the mind of a great man that I've mentioned before here. Rod Serling. And Serling was a writer, as I've said before on the show. And he, this, this story comes from his anthology series, Night Gallery, that I've talked about before when we discussed Silent Snow, Secret Snow. Night Gallery was the anthology series, the one that wasn't the Twilight Zone. But here's one of the best bits of it. So tonight, I'm going to talk about they're tearing down Tim Riley's bar. It's an episode of Night Gallery from the early 70s. It's about half an hour long, as I recall. So anyway, here's the story. Minus spoilers, hopefully. And... Our hero in the story is this guy in the middle age. As a kid, I mean, I saw this when I was a kid. And as a kid, I thought the here our protagonist was really old. Looking back and, and looking at the DVD now, he's probably about my age. His name's Randolph Lane. He's, a, uh, he's under pressure at work. He has this kind of corporate job. He's under tons of pressure. He's clearly been forced out of his job. On his way to unemployment, and he finds himself increasingly unable to focus on that and protect himself, and finds himself more kind of daydreaming about his wife and his friends and how much fun they all used to have because they're all gone basically. He's the last, the last survivor. How much he misses them all is what occupies him. He's the last one left. It's kind of tragic. They're all, all, all gone from him, as they're saying. Now, I think he's supposed to be about 50 years old. I'm 48, and oh, I thank God that times have hopefully changed a bit, and that's not seems to be quite as old as it once was, but who knows? Anyway, Randolph suddenly realises one more tragic thing. Tim Riley's bar. It's the bar he used to hang out in, and he discovers it's, it's closed down and it's been demolished. Within days, in fact... As he reaches this personal crisis in his life, he realises Tim Riley's bar is indeed about to be torn down. And he finds himself increasingly drawn to the site, this this near ruin. Now, it's a Rod Serling script. And he starts to hear voices calling sadly to him. He gets phone calls from the past and he begins to lose his grasp of where and when he is. So much so that he doesn't notice his co-worker Lynn is completely in love with him. See, the past is so strong, the force and the pull of the past is so strong within him, that he's lost track of all the wonderful things around him in his present. And more and more, Tim Riley's bar, it calls out to him. And, and we, as the viewers, we don't know what's waiting there and what it wants. It's, you know, is this a loving presence or is it a lethal one? Eros or Thanos, you might say. In fact, well, neither the studio or Serling were really sure either about it. Which is why the end of the version you'll see today is markedly different from the one in the original script. I'm not going to spoil anything, but if you get to watch it, go and find the original script and end online afterwards. And see which one you think works best. I like them both in a way. 
I think I like the version that aired the best. Mild spoiler, that one has a happy ending. Or a happier ending, maybe. I don't know, it makes me think of that old um, quote that's carved on the moon dial at Belton House in Lincolnshire. Looks et embra visissim sed semper emor. Light and shadows by turn, but always love. I thought about Tim Riley's bar. I was out recently, back when I was allowed out, and I passed a, a pub I used to go into. I went in and had a drink and I read my book for a bit. And I went out to the smoking area and I suddenly I sat down out there and remembered a long time ago. Like 10, 11 years ago, something like that. And I used to go there with like a, a kind of big bunch of people, the same people all the time. You know the kind of Scott, you, we, many of us, I'd say probably all of us do this, you know, Friday night out. The Friday night's out. And that hysteria when you have just like that sort of, you know, that gang of friends and whatever. And the, the hysteria and the silliness of it and the fun of it just interacting with each other the booze obviously plays a fairly major part you know staying out all night till they kick you out of that pub and then going back to somebody's house till silly o'clock in the morning till the sun rises as a friend of mine says seeing the dawn in a different way which is very good for the soul i could use a bit of that right now to be honest with you and i sat there at the back of that pub and I thought, all oh, this memory came rushing back to me. I've not thought about this properly for ages, years. That area out there, it was, it was a bit messy and full of people. And now it was silent and it was swept clean. And really, the empty, the, the sort of absence was really palpable and tangible there. And just for a second, I sort of, I really thought about Tim Riley's bar. And I knew exactly how Randolph felt. The, the the memory ghosts of the past were all around me. People I'll probably never see again in some cases. And I thought about all the times we had there and stuff. Anyway, because I'm a drama queen, I, I freely admit I drank them all a little toast. And I had a bit of a smile to myself. A toast to the past. And what our past make us into and where we come from. So I drank a little a little toast there. But then... What I thought was really important is I then got up and left, no matter how comfortable. And, you know, I wasn't being particularly maudlin or anything like that, but I got up and left me at a point of going on somewhere new that I'd never been before, that I always wanted to go instead. Because the past is all very well, but right here and now, that is the important bit. That is where we are, and that's what I have to cling to, because it is so easy, especially as you get a tiny bit older. It's so easy to get stuck in the past, to get stuck in memories of when we did this, when we did that, rather than, we could do this, we could do that, we are doing this. Now this has been a hellstorm of a year, hasn't it? But at the same time, throughout all the sadness and all the, the, the sort of tragic things that have happened, I've made some wonderful memories this year as well. And some amazing experiences and things that I never thought, and Life has a habit of surprising you. She says, such a cliche that I made it that out. But it does. And the unexpected creeps up on us. We don't know what's coming around the next corner. Sometimes it is something awful. And sometimes it's something that makes you sad. And sometimes it is something that makes you so happy. And those things are still coming. They're still there. 
The other day I had a medical appointment. I'm really rambling now, aren't I? But I had a medical appointment the other day and then unexpectedly at the end, without really coming out of nowhere, the nurse who was sort of working within it suddenly like looked over at me. She gave me a really like strange, intense stare and she said, your going out days and your partying days aren't over, you know, Crow. None of it's over yet. It was a really odd thing to say. It really touched me. It was a really beautiful thing. A really nice little weird moment. I don't know where that came from or why she said that. But it was nice. She didn't say Crow. That's not the name of in there. Under. But anyway. Rod Serling wrote that, as I say, and when I was a kid, he always seemed like, because I've read a lot and watched a lot of his stuff when I was little, and he always seemed like this kind of monolithic presence, this, this ageless, wise man who seemed so old and so intellectual and powerful, and I always looked up to him, I always thought he was cool, and I was doing a little bit of tiny research for this right now, I looked him up, and wow, when he died, he was 18 months older than I am now. That hit home a bit. Not in like a depressing way, but just like, no, he, he lived a life. And I've got a lot more of that to do as well, and I intend to. Oh, you should see my bucket list this coming year. It's it's cool. I'll not share it now. That would be way TMI, but anyway. Get in touch if you want to know what it was. I think it's cool. But anyway... And bucket list. No, I'm not planning on kicking the bucket anytime soon. Oh god, that sounds like foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, I do hope not. Anyway. That's Rod Serling. 18 months older than me. Achieved marvellous things. So, you know what? No one's going to get this unless you're familiar with the text, but I don't care anyway. Submitted for your approval. A simple little sketch by one Crow Violet, in honour of a greater artist. She has no idea, but she's about to take a trip through the night gallery. And that's all for now, darlings. A little shorter one. I might do a few of these over the coming few days, for obvious reasons. But I am liable to be super bored, so check in again soon. Watch the winter skies. And if you should hear those voices from the past, calling out to you from old haunts. You raise a glass to them and acknowledge them. But you know what? Go kiss someone who's actually real and real and right now very, very soon. Because this life is for living and this life is for dancing in. And I hope to be doing all of those very, very soon with many of you. Good night, you lovely things. Adore you all. Thanks for listening to the Violet Ghost Train this week. You can find us on Twitter at CrowViolets or on Instagram, CrowViolet in singular. You have to ask for permission to follow. Or on our website, CrowViolet.com. Again, in the singular. I trust you enjoyed your ride on the Ghost Train, dears. See you next time. <laughs>